the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for all the latest sports news, podcasts, long form articles, anything you need on the return of sports, the current state of sports, plenty of financial information, lots to get to today really across the entire sports world. I'm going to kind of keep, try to keep this as brief as possible um, because I don't like these shows to get super, super long. I know we all drift off, including myself. So um, kind of an action-packed guest show. So I'll, uh, I'll shut up and listen as, as much as possible for sure. But obviously there's a few things to get to to start here. Um, and you can see on The Athletic, visit theathletic.com slash exactly what I'm talking about here. Uh, Cam Newton is a New England Patriot. Uh, NASCAR is in full swing. PGA had a great weekend. Baseball is back. There's more plans on that and some opt-outs to get to that as well as in the NBA. Um, NBA news sort of died down a little. I think everything's been approved. So, uh, you know, outside of the mess in Florida that, that is COVID right now, everything seems full speed ahead. Um, baseball, I don't know if I'd feel the same right now about that. And I don't want to go down that path too much, but there's a lot of question marks with baseball, certainly because they're going to try to play home stadium games. Yes, it's going to be somewhat regionalized, but um, we're about a week away from seeing that schedule to sort of understand more how this is all going to work. There's been some leaks. I think it's going to be pretty much, you know, you're going to travel within a couple of hundred miles and that's about it based on where your division aligns. But, you know, we're going to see, uh, I think, a few dozen players say no this season and I, and I completely understand it. So I'll get to a, few, a bit of that as well. Let's start with Cam Newton in this open. Um, yes, we all saw this coming. I don't think anybody should be surprised. Here's the nuts and bolts of this. Here's the down and dirty details of the Cam Newton signing. Why it's now, why it's the Patriots. Um, and then my thoughts, I guess, about how this is all going to play out. My guess is the Patriots always wanted this to happen. But if you've been following the Patriots and, and our site and things like that for the last really five months, the Patriots really haven't had the financial ability to do anything outside of get rid of people, which is what they ended up doing in free agency. Tom Brady walks, Kyle Van Noy walks, plenty of others um, had to walk. Yes, they extended Devin McCourty. They kept a couple of their core guys intact. Um, you know, they slapped a franchise tag on Joe Tooney, the, the guard, which you can understand them trying to shore up that offensive line based on the unknown that is the quarterback position. And that's, that's the final point to be made here. Um, would they have been fine rolling out Jared Stidham or maybe even Brian Hoyer, who's been in Josh McDaniel's system before? Sure. Does that give them the best chance to win? No. <laughs> Never did. Uh, you had Andy Dalton available. You had Cam Newton available. You could have gone after Teddy Bridgewater and made that work from a cap perspective. If you had to, you could have restructured a couple of people to, to get make that work. There's always ways to maneuver the cap. And really, New England didn't do any of them. They haven't really made any... Um, quick fix adjustments to squeeze somebody in because they absolutely had to have that player. This is not how the New England Patriots operate under this regime. It just isn't. They don't flex and bend for other people. Other people flex and bend for them. And this is the latest example that this regime is still here. They are still going to push forward for 2020. This is not a rebuild. Yes, this is not the best New England Patriots team that has existed over the past 21 years or so, but it's still a pretty darn good team. If you put, if you put the, uh, you know, the roster out there a little bit, the defense is going to be okay. They lost some big, some big pieces, but I still think that secondary especially is going to be just fine. 
So stopping the pass in the AFC East is still going to be something they're going to, they're going to excel at. Cam Newton just flat out makes him better. And, you know, enough has come out now. I don't, I certainly don't have the structure of the contract in front of me, but I can give you my best guesstimate and I can tell you what it means. This is something we do know from the NFL network guys. Um, Nobody else offered Cam Newton a contract. And this is exactly what the Patriots were waiting for. This is exactly why this happened on June 29th and not May 1st or anywhere closer to when he was released out of Carolina. Uh, you know, the, the Patriots were essentially saying the only possible way we're going to make this work because we're not going to shuffle other contracts right now for this guy. We are somewhat satisfied with Jared Sidham slash Brian Hoyer if it has to be that. But if we can fit Cam Newton in on the absolute bottom of the barrel veteran minimum, which, which carries a cap hit of $750,000, you know, and there may be a small bonus or, or something in there that raises that slightly up to maybe nine, oh, close to 900000 on the cap, but still completely tenable. You know, you can make that work at the end of the day. Think about the value that you would be getting. If this guy is your week one starter, if this guy returns to even a fraction of the form that he was, look, he was a, he was an MVP candidate in 2018 before his latest injury. Maybe the MVP leader halfway through that season. He, he had, we know what this guy can do. He has won an MVP. He has shown signs that he can still be that player. But the point I just made is the, really the point I want, to, I want to carry the day, which means there were not six teams begging for his services. I'm sure six to 10 teams looked at him. Okay, I'm sure Dallas looked at him before they signed any deal. And I'm sure the Browns looked at him. I'm sure Cincinnati looked at him as a viable backup option to Joe Burrow. Maybe even Miami and the Chargers who were bringing in quarterbacks this year and maybe wanted a more veteran presence either to play the first six weeks or maybe play the entire 2020 season. All of them said no. Whatever they looked at from a health perspective or from a Cam Newton perspective wasn't even good enough to get to an offer, to get to a contract negotiation standpoint. It came down to one team wanted him. It was New England, and they weren't going to budge over what we think is basically the bare minimum, $1.05 million cash, 750000 against the cap, and there's a ton of incentives based on playing time and, and Patriots wins and probably passing yards and all that good stuff, touchdowns built in to get him up to $7.5 This is Ryan Tannehill last year. This is Marcus Mariota's contract this year. Uh, these are carbon copies of these sort of contract structures that, you know, we like the quarterback, but there's a lot of red flags and we can't go past this point. Well, this is the, this is the past this point. Andy Dalton got 2 million base, you know, and he can get himself, I think up to five or six. That, that's where we are with these guys. I know they've been savvy veterans for nine plus years. And in some cases, you know, MVP, maybe even hall of famers. I, I think Cam's probably on that track. And when the bottom falls out, which it did, from a health perspective and certainly from Carolina's need, it, it, it drops all the way to the bottom. That's where it goes now. I mean, this is every other position. So it was going to happen eventually to the quarterback position. And it has, it has, this is the, this is the breaking point of where you've given us eight, nine years. We're bringing in somebody younger, somebody cheaper. Not that Carolina did that. They, they went out and found a slightly younger, way more expensive quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater in terms of what Cam Newton is worth now. But this is what the Patriots do. They didn't have to budge because they knew they weren't going to need to in the end of the day. If somebody wanted to pay Cam Newton $5 million in base salary, they could have him. That's the Patriots thinking. It didn't happen. It's almost July. You know, the need for three, maybe even four quarterbacks on the roster heading into this COVID season is crucial. 
you know, we've talked about this before. If, if your team doesn't have three and they don't have an eye on a fourth, whether that's a, you know, my guess is most of these teams are going to carry two quarterbacks on the practice squads, if I had to guess, just because you're going to want to, number one, you're going to want to keep some quarterbacks separate from other quarterbacks, physically separated. You can't have an entire quarterback arsenal just wiped out with COVID at one point in time because these guys are coagulating together and congregating simultaneously. That's just, to me, that's silly. I, I don't think you should operate like that right now. And they, maybe that goes for a lot of these positions where depth is going to be a problem. Um, but like I said, this is, you know, this is not the QB three coming into new England. This is the QB one and everybody else now is, is falling in line behind him. But for, as a quarterback standpoint, every team needs to be doing this. I'm, I'm really surprised that more teams didn't at least entertain the offer of going slightly above veteran minimum, especially the teams that are competing, which, or by the way, new England is, this doesn't make them the favorites. I don't think coming out of the, uh, the AFC East, I still think Buffalo has a slight, slight edge because of the run they had last year and the fact that they're pretty much intact this year, adding stuff on digs to that picture. Like I said, New England did give up a, a bunch in free agency. Um, but they're going to they're gonna roll at it like they always roll at it. I put together a tweet today. If you've got Cam Newton and Sonny Michelle and James White and Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry and Matt Lacoste as tight end, that's $21 million in cap for 2020 for those players. So your, your core offensive weaponry is about 21 million in cap. That's generally speaking, that's how we roll in New England. And, you know, for a long time, it's been Tom Brady at about half of what the elite quarterbacks cost on the cap from a cap standpoint. And he went and maxed out in Tampa Bay and the rest is history. Like I said, I don't think this was a huge need for New England, but it was always the likely landing spot because if he was going to fall into somebody's lap, it was going to be theirs. Yes, it's brilliant that they made this announcement on the cusp of another huge fine and a forfeiture of a third-round draft pick for their Cincinnati Bengals spygate situation, um, which just seems comical to say out loud more and more. But from a Cam Newton standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, from a, from a cost standpoint, this is just a huge win for New England. There's absolutely no, no downside. There's none. You spend a million dollars cash on a guy to come in compete, likely take your quarterback one spot for 2020, whenever that is. Um, he's certainly capable. They're not going to ask him to run around. That's not even the system that Josh McDaniels runs. I mean, Tom Brady, whenever Tom Brady moved more than five feet out of the pocket, it was news. So you can keep Cam sort of tucked in a little bit here, and maybe that's a, that's a change he's going to have to adapt to. But from a health standpoint, that's just how his life is now. I mean, certainly he's more mobile than Tom Brady ever was. but if the plan is to kind of keep things as it was in new England and just push forward for one more year and then see where 2020 takes you, I'd say a pocket passing cam Newton inside of that offense, which, you know, take it or leave it. It's, it's now one year more experience together. Nikhil Harry was showing signs late. Sony Michelle, you know, week in week out, he's a different person, but if he can sort of figure it out here heading towards his big contract season, that's a big plus because we know James white can play. And we certainly know Julian Edelman can play. So if you're a Patriots fan, this is a win for you. If you're not a Patriots fan, this is just status quo. This is just the Patriots getting another player at a ridiculous cost who can real, who's got just crazy upside. The ceiling is gigantic. So certainly going to be must see TV. I know some of, some, some of them out there are saying, you know, this doesn't really move the needle too much. I, I think that's completely wrong. I think that's completely wrong. You're saying that with the, with the notion that Cam Newton's going to get hurt again. 
And I don't like to think that way. If Cam Newton's healthy, this moves the needle a ton. This is a more talented player coming out of college than Tom Brady ever was, ever. Tom Brady settled into a system and mastered it. He mastered it inside and out from a mental and a physical standpoint. And he expected everyone else around him to do the same. That's why he's breaking protocol and working out with the players in Tampa Bay right now. He is trying to redo that at age 40 plus right now with those players in Tampa Bay who have a system. They were there for the system last year. They're essentially teaching him the system. He's becoming acclimated with it. He wants to, to drive that system into his memory bank so that he can be as comfortable as possible when he has to hit the, hit the field week one. Um, you know, Cam Newton's intangibles are off the charts. So to think that Josh McDaniel has this new toy to play with that is even more capable than Tom Brady ever was. Not more experienced, not better. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying from a skill standpoint, you know, we all had the, those people around us in sports growing up that were just better athletes. <laughs> they could do things better. They were more natural at things. They had better instincts. Um, that's the difference I, I see between Cam Newton and Tom Brady. So we'll see if Josh McDaniels can really round this into form because it could, it could really, really work. Can it work in a year? That's, that's asking a lot. I mean, if Cam going to go win 13 games for this New England, I, I don't know. That, that might be too much. But I do think that the ceiling is high. The risk is absolute zero. And if you asked 30 teams out of 30 if they'd pay a million dollars for Cam Newton, every single one of them would say yes. So another win for the New England Patriots. Okay, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here before I bring in a couple of guests. Like I said, Major League Baseball is pushing forward. And... We are starting to see players who are saying thanks, but no thanks. And it's not exactly for the reasons you think. At least a few of these are because there's medical issues at home, medical issues in the family, or maybe they have personal medical issues. And certainly, you know, I don't want to dive too deep into those kind of details. Those are private. Um, you know, but I'm going to continue to push this out on Twitter. Every time somebody opts out or says, you know, we're going to skip 2020, you know, just essentially what their salary was going to be because it, it, it bears seeing just how little these guys are going to take. I understand in comparison to our jobs and our normal life, it's still a gigantic amount of money, but just thinking about where they're, they started and where they're coming, they're going to, you know, for instance, Ryan Zimmerman, he's made a ton of money in his career. He had a $2 million contract to return to the nationals this year. He's going to opt out. He's got a, I believe a mother that has multiple sclerosis from is what I'm reading. And he, he thinks it's safer at his age and really with his accomplishments to just sit this one out and let it play out and see where we can get to next year. So his $1.5 million salary would have gone down to $740,000 for this shortened season. So that's the, that's the dynamic. Now we've got players like Mike Leak out in Arizona who was set to make $15 million in 2020. That would have dropped down to 5.5. So that's, that's a, I mean, that's $10 million lost right there. $10 million lost because of the 60 game shortened season and he's opting out for whatever reasons he, he, you know, personal reasons, I would imagine. I, I still think you'd play for five, five plus million dollars, but there's just a lot of reasons to say no right now. I respect the players that are doing that. I'm certainly not going to, uh, you know, be ill-witted towards any of those players. Everyone has a decision in this 2020 is just this crazy anomaly for all of us. However you want to treat it with your kids, with your family, with your job, with schooling, to me, it's, it's every man for himself. So, um, you know, kudos to these players for saying no, publicly coming out and saying, you know, I got to take care of number one and my family and my household at this point in time. Uh, baseball's on the back burner. I've got no problem with that. I am going to continue to put the details out there of what they're, what they're giving up because that's just, 
that's the angle I take on it. So I don't, I wanted to put that out there that I'm trying not to be insensitive and I'm, I'm in their corner, but there's money lost here for sure. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. A player like Ryan Zimmerman is really interesting because yes, he did just win the world series. I think he was debating about coming back in the first place. So he signed a, uh, an equal $2 million salary to last year. You can kind of, you kind of felt like it was going to be a role player. Maybe every, every couple of days he'd be in the lineup kind of thing. 35 years old, almost 36, I think September 36. Uh, this might be it. So that'd be a really tough way to go. If you plan on coming back and sort of defending your title and then this happened and, and you, you feel like you have to step away from it from a personal standpoint, this, that would be a tough way to end your career. So those kind of things, I think are, they're going to come up and we're going to see a couple more players, I'm sure, who are nearing the end of their career that just say, it's not worth it. I've made over, you know hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just not worth it for me to put myself in this situation right now. You know, I'll let somebody else have my spot on, on the team. So really interesting stuff. I, I, you know, we've seen it in the NBA as well. Certainly the big one is Avery Bradley right now, who's stepping away from the Lakers, even though he had a really big role in that offense from a game management standpoint. They did just sign J.R. Smith. So the J.R. Smith-LeBron James duo is back. I don't know that we missed it, but it's back. And that will be heading to Orlando in really a couple of weeks. July 9th, I think, is the, uh, is the travel day for many of those teams that get down to Orlando and, and figure out this whole air quote bubble situation. Again, I have to, I have to say it again. If you're having employees of Disney come in and out and go home and then come back and then go in the bubble, it's not a bubble. <laughs> it's not a bubble. It's a bubble with a door. So I really, I really wish they could find a way to fix that from both the MLS and the NBA who will be operating sort of under the same guidelines down there in Orlando. Um, just, that just has to be said. I feel like anybody who can say that should say it every single day because I think it's a really big miss by the NBA. They've, got, they've hit a lot of bullet points. Their documentation and their guidelines for this are, are really, really well thought out. And maybe they just simply couldn't make it happen. They, they just couldn't keep employees inside of this bubble safely or legally. I, I guess I don't know how far that goes, but to me, not getting that done, having people literally come in and out is just, it's bad. It's a bad look in a state right now in Florida that is in trouble from a COVID standpoint. So hopefully things get resolved. Maybe there's some changes to that before we get down there, but we're just a couple of weeks away. So I expect that baseball will have a few more opt-outs here really in the couple next couple of hours and then certainly tomorrow as well. And uh, we'll see. Again, absolutely no ill will to the players who are doing this. It's a very personal decision. This is not, yes, baseball coming back is a business decision. This is a money decision for owners and the league and, you know, TV partners and a lot of people way high up, high up the flagpole, but, you know, turning down $5.5 million from Mike Leake, that's, that's a personal decision. That's him saying, you know, that's a heck of a lot of money, but I, I feel more comfortable staying away right now from me personally, from my family and et cetera. So I, uh, I would urge you to look at this positively and not negatively. And, you know, if your favorite player is one of these players that opts out, give them a break. It's been a disaster of a year, to say the least. So uh, let's just kind of let this thing ride out. Whatever baseball or sports comes back in our life for the next three or four months, let's just enjoy what we can get. And then when we can get back to a little bit of normalcy in 2021, hopefully all systems go from there. Keep an eye on that. We'll keep tweeting those out with, with numbers as to uh, the salaries that they're forfeiting as they do opt out. And maybe a couple of reasons why, if that is included in the original statement, the NFL full systems go at this point, we're going to keep treating it that way. I just posted an article on spot this morning 
which took way too long to write, but I was happy to do it. it it's been, I mean, I know we've been dealing with this COVID stuff and um, really just, you know, confining ourselves to a world with no sports. But uh, as I mentioned, the NFL really has just not slowed down. Yes, things have gone virtual for this offseason from a player and coach standpoint, but and obviously the draft as well. But it didn't stop the transactions from happening. I mean, it's been a slow couple of weeks here, which is this is generally the downtime anyway. This is the summer trouble. Um, but man, I, I put a pen to paper this morning and, and really try to identify storylines from every single team this year. And I, it was as easier than I thought it was going to be. Let me put it that way. Every single team did something crazy interesting this offseason, whether it was a trade, an extension, a signing, um, a big release. You know, certainly we had a, a bunch of quarterbacks that moved across the country, uh, you know, Cam Newton being one of them. But Every single team had something crazy go on. And there were a lot of first round picks moved around. There were a lot of high profile athletes that moved inside the NFL. So I put, I put an article up there, team by team, the one, two, maybe even three or four moves that were big time storylines this offseason for the NFL. Check that out. We'll probably talk about that a little bit more on Thursday's show. But uh, just a heads up that that exists right now on SpotTrack.com. While most sports are currently at a standstill, it's never too early to start preparing for your fantasy football drafts. And there's no resource out there better than Fantasy Pros. With their flagship draft wizard and mock draft simulators, you can customize any format you play. It's fantasy time, folks. Time to start thinking about it. The, uh, the NFL is not slowing down and the fantasy football world won't either. Run mock drafts in a matter of minutes against realistic opponents and prepare for any scenario you may face when it's time to draft your teams for real. Visit Fantasy Pros dot com slash spot track dash NFL today and get a head start on your competition. Okay, let's bring in a few guests now. Cousin Dan back to the show and with him, John Grimaldi from Dave and Adams Card World. Uh, we've heard me mention the hip parade on here quite a bit now. Basically a mystery box of memorabilia where you get signed jerseys, signed helmets, signed balls. You kind of don't know what you're getting, but you're going to get something great. That's dacardworld.com. John is the president of David Adams Card World. He's going to come in and talk about memorabilia, how there's been a little bit of an uptick in this quarantine, as you might imagine, although it caught them by surprise a little bit. And we're going to bring in Cousin Dan with him, who is an avid collector, kind of knows this stuff inside and out. So we'll have a little roundtable discussion about sports memorabilia. All right. Really pleased to be joined now by a couple of uh, friends of the show here. Cousin Dan. Cousin Dan's back. He's When he's back, it's generally fantasy talk, but we're going to switch gears a little bit because my other guest today is John Grimaldi from David Adams Card World, the president of David Adams Card World, uh, one of our sponsors now on the podcast. Really happy to have him and the David Adams Card World system with SpotTrack. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, I've known you for a long time, and I know this wasn't your first big venture into the retail world, but it seems like the most logical because the, uh, the 20 plus years I've known you here, sports and memorabilia and this kind of this kind of world has already always fit you well. So thanks for joining the show. And what took you to this world? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it, it's funny. A lot of people, um, you know, what you, what you just said right there, a lot of people, um, you know, they go to work every day and it's a job, right? It's, it's watching the clock and you're waiting to see, you know, Hey, how quick's my day going to be over. And, when you work in an area that uh, you love the content of what you deal with every day, um, it's, it's never like that. It's always, uh, holy cow, where'd the day go? And, and that's really, uh, that's really what it is working in this industry for me. Um, 
I joined the company, I think it's about eight, nine years ago, um, originally uh, to oversee the, uh, the company's buying direct from the public when people have collections that they want to sell and, uh, you know, moved around a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's like being a techie and growing up in San Francisco because uh, Dave and Adams is just a monster in this industry. And uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, let's stay right there, actually. So you mentioned David Adams. You, you mentioned that they're a monster. They are. I mean, their website is obviously one of the top websites for trading cards, for memorabilia, for all this stuff in the sports world. I, I'm going to imagine that having pe- having sports fans home with nothing to watch and no games to play or go to and no youth sports to take kids to has been very good for David Adams and anyone in the industry right now. Is that correct? Yeah, um, but it's been a shock. I mean, initially when this all happened, it looked like you know the world the world was going to come to an end. So we were expecting a, a real sharp pullback in values and um, in sales overall. And uh, it's been literally the exact opposite. You know, I think the first uh, well, I think it was a Wednesday when uh, the NBA game got stopped before it started, and you know they they uh, postponed the season, and everyone was freaking out. Maybe the next day we saw a, a, a slight pullback and, you know, everyone was just kind of a freaking out about what was going on in the world. And then after that, man, it, it's been, it's just been busy. You know, I think people, um, people certainly are trying to fill a void that they have right now in their lives with no sports live. Um, so it's, it's people that had been in the industry. The industry has been strong for, for years now. Um, but then you've also got a lot of people who are coming into the industry who, you know, maybe had collected years and years ago and they're kind of reconnecting with, uh, with their youth or, um, you know, something, they're just trying something new, but it's been, it's been crazy how busy it's been. Dan, I want to switch to you now because you can kind of feed off of that. You follow a lot of these Facebook groups and, and message boards and things like that as an avid collector as well, really with you know anything, cards, bobbleheads, jerseys, all that stuff. Um, certainly baseballs. I've seen your collection of baseballs. Um, are you seeing the same? Is there an uptick? Are, are, there, are there a lot of new people joining those kind of groups? Are you seeing a lot more of this stuff floating around out there? Yeah, I'm, I've focused more recently on specific teams that I collect and kind of narrowed down my collection. But specifically speaking, I know John, John can kind of touch on this, but um, the, the break groups, like for people who aren't familiar with breaking um, products, I, I know J- uh, David Adams has a product that they break and I see that all over all over uh the the social sites right now <clears throat> would you say i guess this is a question for both of you actually I'll, I'll start with john what is the product right now that's flying off the shelves is it jerseys is it hats is it ball, <laughs> balls is it cards still is are cards making kind of a renaissance here well it's yeah it's been cards you know the 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 motor that drives our company and our website is definitely unopened boxes of cards um, you know, the, the sign memorabilia and um, things like that, it's, it's, it's some of what we do, but the, the lion's hair is going to be unopened boxes of cards. Um, what Dan had been referring to is our hit parade line where we've actually kind of uh, morphed autograph memorabilia into an unopened box product where you can get a, you know, you buy a box and you can get an autographed jersey, autographed football helmet, things like that. So that's, that's definitely seen an uptick as well. Um, but as far as what is hot, there is absolutely 
no two ways about it. It's basketball. Um, wow. It's just a fever pitch for, for unopened boxes of basketball cards. Um, and even that hip rate product I was talking about under unopened boxes that have autographed basketballs or jerseys, but um, basketball hands down, you know, the, the craziness surrounding um, Zion Williamson and uh, Luka Doncic and John Morant and all that stuff. And then you had, uh, you know, the Jordan documentary. Yes. So that brought people out of the woodwork as well, buying single cards. And I would imagine Kobe Bryant too, like right, John? Absolutely. That, that was, that was really at the, uh, at the beginning when you started to see, uh, you know, I mean, Kobe stuff shot through the roof. Yeah. So I, I bet that our traffic is sort of aligned because uh, obviously every sport kind of has its, its ups and downs, except for the NFL, which really just kind of plugs through on its own level. But, um, you know, I can be upfront with you a little bit here. Over the past 18 months, no sport on Track has grown more than the, the NBA, and it's not even close. It's exponentially higher than anyone, and it's actually approaching the NFL in terms of our visitors and our numbers and things like that. So there, there really is a boom. And what's crazy to me is... I'm not even sure this is like the golden age of the NBA. I mean, the, the names you mentioned are important, but to me, LeBron still carries the day. And, you know, the reason that they're, that they're having this bubble and they're putting this thing down in Orlando for production purposes is that there's a really legitimate chance that LeBron can win this thing. And if that, that happens, I think you and I are both going to see gigantic upticks again in the NBA because the, the interest will be that much higher when you've got the best player in the league winning the championship on maybe the biggest market in the league it just trickles down, right? The, the whole sport really just succeeds from there. Yeah. I think it'll be great for TV, for ratings um, and all that. But I think, and again, don't get me wrong. I mean, LeBron product, jerseys, cards, things like that are, are is as high as ever. But I think what's really driving um, specifically in, in our business, the unopened box product is definitely the rookies. Sure. There's a, there's a belief that, that Zion Williamson is the next LeBron. Now the guy's never played in a playoff game. He's never won a playoff game. He only played. What do you mean? What did he play? Twenty five games so far. Right. So there's a long way to go. But man, the hype machine is is just rocking at 110 percent on him. Yeah, Dan and I have done some work on this as well. Um, you know, I mean, him and I were trading card collectors for you know 25 years ago. Maybe as avid as anybody out there. I've still got the the proof in the pudding, unfortunately, even though they're worth about a cent each. So on that point, is rookie cards really the only place to go now, John? Um, you know, it's rookie cards is a great place to be. That's always going to be the case. Um, really low numbered, you know, they number the cards now, uh, the valuable ones, and they could be, you know, as low as one out of one. It could be one out hmm. of five, one out of ten. Uh, but low number parallel. Um, Sometimes the cards are autographed. Sometimes they don't even have to be autographed and they're worth a lot of money. Um, but you're talking Zion Williamson cards. There's Zion Williamson cards that are going for $75,000, dollars oh per card. Oh, my Right? God. I mean, just, just think about that. Now, you can get a literate. Off the top of my head, I think a, a perfectly graded Michael Jordan 1986 Fleer uh, basketball rookie, PSA 10, I don't know what that is now. That might be thirty, forty thousand dollars, something like that. Wow! And it pales in comparison to what a a Zion rookie, uh, real real short numbered, uh, you know, in demand rookie would go for. So new is always better, huh? Next man up. <laughs> well, it, it certainly it, it seems like it, and a lot of it comes down to how much did they make. You know, if you wanted if you wanted to buy even a PSA nine Jordan, which is going to be the 
you know, the step under a, a gem mint 10, uh, there's a lot of them. And that's the difference, you know, Mike, back when you collected, and even when I collected cards and Dan, maybe not so much in your little, uh, little younger, uh, they made a lot of that stuff, right? Eighties, nineties. I mean, they just printed until the lights went out. And, uh, so there's, there's still a lot of it. And it's funny, you, you, Mike, you mentioned, um, the, the cards you have might not be, or not be worth a lot. Even we've seen that term, you know, boxes mm-hmm. like 89 pro set, you know, the, the nine, early nineties upper deck stuff that they made a ton of the value on that's going up because people are buying it and buying and buying it. So it's, it's, the availability is becoming less and less. So the value is going up. That's great. Hey, Dan, what about your neck? I know you're big on the baseballs and specifically with a couple of teams that you follow a, a lot. Are values rising there? Are you, are you seeing the things that you own or the things that you're, you're trying to get rising in front of you, maybe because of this quarantine? Um, I wouldn't say so much say the stuff I focus on, I wouldn't say is increasing or decreasing in value that, that I know of, but to John's point, I've seen it. I'm not as big into cards as I used to be, but cards are flying everywhere now. And a lot of what I see um, specifically around baseball is focused on maybe not just rookies, but younger players who people want to buy up before um, they kind of explode and then they can sell for uh, a, a way bigger profit on the, on the other side of it. And that speaking to John's point with, um, Zion, that, that's kind of where this becomes strictly investing rather than just being a fan of a certain team and wanting a Zion, Zion Williamson card. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to get ahead of it. That's right. You got to make your guesses about the unknown. Uh, we're speaking to Cousin Dan about a little bit of the memorabilia side of the world and with president of David Adams Card World, John Grimaldi. John, another thing you do over there, David Adams, which Dan and I have taken advantage of a couple of times now. Uh, you book these athletes or these, uh, you know, celebrities to come in and do signings in person. Certainly that's not happening right now with social distancing and the COVID-19, but uh, I know this is a big part of your business over there really because of the product it gives you then to, to push out to the website and things like that. Explain sort of that whole process and really from an athlete standpoint, how they benefit from it as well. Repeat the last part. How they how they actually work. how they how they benefit from it. How much of a of, of a part of their career this is. I know obviously post career these guys set these kind of things up. You, you've got your your older guys that, that make the rounds, but you've got a lot of current athletes that come in there as well. Is this just part of their process, or is this agent driven? How how does it all work? Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, you know for for the older athletes, you know, a lot of it comes down to they simply didn't make anywhere near the money that the guys today make. So. Um, this is about, this is about paying bills. This is about, you know, being able to pay for their lifestyle and, and things like that. So they're going to go around, they're going to do the shows. They're going to do private signings, they're going to do public signings. Um, and they're happy to do it. They'll sign, they'll sit there and sign four or 500 pieces and no problem. Um, the newer athletes, it's a little more challenging. You've really got to get a guy on his rookie deal um, where the money makes a difference, right? If if you're going to pay a, 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 you know, an athlete of today, you know, ten thousand uh, dollars for an autograph signing, that's gonna that's gonna register. That's gonna be a number that they're good with. And agents are always good because they're always gonna take some money, so they're they're happy to to be booking these things. Um, but once guys get into their second contract, it, it's tough because for what it would take to to get their attention, you know, to carve two or three hours and maybe even some travel into their lives. Uh, it simply isn't worth it to them. You know, it's not worth twenty five, thirty thousand dollars because 
you know, they're making, you know, five, 10, $11 million a year or so. Um, getting the newer guys is a little bit more challenging. Um, but again, when, you know, every year the NFL puts out guys, they get drafted and you're able to get ever, almost every single one of them because it's the rookie deal. It's just after that, you get into some crazy money and you get into some exclusives and it can be, uh, it can definitely be challenging. I think I got all the, all the pieces to that question. If I didn't, just let me know. No, that's perfect. Yeah, that's what I anticipated. I imagine, you know, you're not getting Russell Wilson and his $35 million to walk through that door very easily right now. Uh, that makes perfect sense. Um, it's a big benefit to you, though, right, to have those guys come in or guys or gals come in because, I mean, really, not only are they signing for customers who are standing in line for them, but they're giving you a ton of product to then push on the website, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So so we typically, um, stores located, in, we've got a store, it's a, it's a, if you've never been there, it's, it's uh, I know Mike and Dan, you certainly have, but anyone, any of your listeners, it's 40,000 square feet of collectibles, sports memorabilia, cards, there's probably nothing like it. Um, honestly, there may not be anything like it in the world of that size. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely worth a, worth a trip in if you happen to be uh, going through the area. Um, but what we try and do is we do uh, a local guy, meaning a Buffalo Bill or Buffalo Sabre, uh, try and do at least once a month. And then we try and do a national guy. Uh, it could be, you know, you know, a Cal Ripken, Ozzy Smith, Don Mattingly we've had, we try and get a national guy to come in once a month as well. So uh, for us, it's, it's for our customers. Uh, We don't make, we barely make anything on the signing. So Mm -hmm. it's about bringing customers into the store. So if we bring in two, three, 400 people into the store, that's a good thing. It's good marketing. The product that we get autograph wise, uh, we end up putting in our hip parade products. Um, So it's a great, you know, you're able to, you're able to make the math work between doing a public signing and, and get, you know, spending some time with them either before or after uh, getting some stuff signed for us for hit parade. And uh, it's exciting for sure. All right. I'll get you out on this. What's the big product outside of the, tra- of the rookie trading cards that you would push right now. And do you think this is going to be sustainable? I mean, I know you've got this little bump here because of the quarantine, maybe unexpected, but is this sustainable? Are we in just a, are we sort of in a, like I said, a Renaissance of this, of all of this sort of combined going forward? Uh, well, I'll tell you, I, I never thought that what has happened was going to happen. Um, so I'm already 0 for 1. Uh, as far as sustainability, a, a lot of it's going to be tied into, you know, without getting into the, you know, the, the, the dreariness of the economic future outlook. Um, as long as disposable income is there uh, for, for the U.S. public, I think that I think we're going to be OK. I think it's brought a lot of people into the hobby. Um, and I think as long as the U S can kind of motor through what's happened and what's happening, um, I think people will be traveling less. I think they're going to have a little bit more disposable income that they were spending in other areas. Um, you know, think of how many people aren't going to have to pay for season tickets this year. Yeah. So I, I think there's, I think there's definitely some, some length to this. I think you could certainly see, um, kind of a Renaissance as you had, as you had mentioned, um, you know, when people, honestly, you talk about investing in stocks and things like that. You know, we, we carry vintage comic books. We carry cards and boxes and all that stuff. You can, man, I'll tell you, if you took your 401k and put it into this stuff, if you did that 10 years ago, even in comic books, I'm not sure which one would have outperformed. And everyone knows what the stock market's done recently. Yeah. So it's, 
it's a situation where I think there could be some likes to it. I really do. Um, you know, you wonder too, what's going to happen. What's the excitement level going to be even when we get the games back on TV, you know, granted there's probably not going to be fans, but I think there's going to be a big bump when that happens as well. That's a, you know, uh, what's going to happen when Zion, you know, when Zion maybe gets them into the second, third, yeah. you know, round of, of this tournament, you know, the, the, the finals, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. Two things. Number one, I'm terrified that cousin Dan is going to now invest his entire 401k into memorabilia based on your recommendation. <laughs> and yeah. the, my final point, which already kind of, done, <laughs> which, which kind of uh, plays off what you said there, John, I mean, it is the rookies. It is these young kids in all the sports. You know, I'm thinking football right now. I'm thinking Mahomes. I'm thinking Watson. I'm thinking Lamar Jackson. That's not going to stop. So where, where you hit the sweet spot from, from a selling standpoint and from an interest standpoint, are these young kids who are sort of unknown? Can they be legendary franchise players? And the sports like the NFL are turning to the young kids. We're going to have a league that's more than half full of starting quarterbacks that are going to be 25 or less. That's just where the league's going. Yeah. They're, they're cheaper. They're, they're cost controlled. They're more, you know, they're, uh, they're the, the health is, is, e- is easier to rely on. It's just where we're going. So to me, well, that's going to keep, that's going to continue right to feed away. your, your pocket there. Yeah. And the, and the other key is they play right away, right. especially with the quarterbacks. You know what I mean? It, that's something that you never saw. You drafted a guy in the first round as a quarterback. He sat for a year, two years, maybe three. Um, and now they play immediately. So there's, if you're going to buy a guy's rookie card or you're buying a box of cards and you're trying to get this guy, you know, whether it's the NBA, the NHL, the top, top, top prospects are playing right away. You know, the, the guy that's probably going to get drafted number one overall by which whatever playoff team ends up getting it in the NHL, you know, that guy, that guy stuff's going to go through the roof. That's such a great point because it's, it's, I mean, we talked about it so much in this show, but it's what baseball is missing out on right now. They draft, I mean, we just had a draft in baseball. We're not going to see any of these kids for at least three to four years, maybe more than that. And some of them never. So how do you, I mean, outside of Dan, who literally sits and reads this stuff with coffee every day and dives into baseball prospects, who, you know, who else is going to be able to follow these guys if there's not things like trading cards or jerseys out there. So to me, it's a big gap in the baseball system right now. All right. Dan, any, any final thoughts, any parting thoughts, or are you literally on the website right yeah. now trying to buy stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet, but I, I'll be uh, making a beeline there afterwards. No, John, um, one question. I know you've been to hundreds of shows all around the country, worked with probably thousands of athletes at this point. Do you have any uh, particular favorites or most memorable athletes? You don't have to get into the reasoning because I know you probably have some, <clears throat> some great stories, but anyone in particular stand out? Yeah, you know, again, it's it's what I said before. When you when you're working, when you work with uh, with content that you absolutely love, it's just it's not work. And um, some of these guys are just unbelievable. I mean, Wade Barnes is just he's the greatest guy in the world. He's the greatest guy to hang out with after the signings. He's so nice. Uh, Don Manning is terrific. Um, you know, we had Josh Allen in. He was absolutely terrific. Uh, you know, they're they're just a lot of down-to-earth nice people um there's a, the occasional i'm not going to get into names where do it you, you sit there and wonder why why are you what are you doing this for if you are this miserable to be here right now but uh you know it is what it is there's a little bit of a mixed bag but for the most part everybody uh everybody's great and you know the, the shows can get a little hectic um that's why i really enjoy and, and and be able to spend some time with some people when we do them at the store um there's a little less bouncing around they can relax and and they know what the deal is um so i enjoy those more but um yeah it's you know it's it's like a dream come true it's fantastic 
That's great. John, tell us about the hip parade one last time. Listen, it, it didn't exist, uh, I don't know, four years ago. You know, there were a few companies that were doing it where they were taking, you know, autographed uh, jerseys, putting them in a box, and you buy the box, and you could get the Tom Brady or you could get the Christian Okoye. Um, <laughs> and now it's exploded. We're not the only ones doing it. Um, I like to think that, that we certainly give you the most bang for your buck and, um, you know, the quality of the checklist is, is better than, than what the competitors have, but you know, that's for, for everyone to decide, but we certainly have, we have everything. We do golf products. We do basketball, hockey. Um, we just released a, um, autographed basketball sneaker product. First time ever, um, bats, we do baseballs, footballs, you name it. It's, it's, it's terrific. So it's a little different than opening a box of cards, but uh, at the same time, it's just as exciting as not knowing what you're going to get. Are you going to get the big hit? Are you going to get the Patrick Mahomes helmet, the jersey, you know, the Brady, the Gretzky, the Connor McDavid? So um, people love it, and uh, business continues to grow, so we're, we're super excited. Perfect. Visit dacardworld.com. Check out the hit parade. Cousin Dan, thanks. John, thanks so much for doing this. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having us. Have you ever wanted to take a shot at getting a $12,000 Michael Jordan rookie card or a $1,600 autographed Tom Brady helmet for just a fraction of the price? Hip Parade is the premier authentic autographed sports memorabilia mystery box manufacturer in the country. Take a shot at getting an autographed item from the biggest names in sports. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Zion Williamson, Mike Trout, and plenty more, possibly even Ken Griffey Jr. Get your box today at Hip Parade's exclusive online provider, dacardworld.com, dacardworld.com. No one has more hits than Hit Parade. All right, happy to be joined again by PGA Tour analyst for Sirius XM Radio, Kevin Sylvester, and friend of the show, of course, host of the show. Nice little weekend for golf, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I think it's a great tournament for travelers, and especially um, the way things were looking on Wednesday, the day before, when uh, Commissioner Jay Monahan was going to have a press conference um, you know, about some positive tests for COVID-19 and then uh, to continue on with the tournament and have Dustin Johnson be the champion. I think it's a great outcome for professional golf. Totally. And uh, you followed it nicely. Had a couple of great calls on DJ's big putts there. Uh, look, I, let's put the COVID stuff away for now, I guess, because it's going to be, uh, there's really just no way around it. It's going to be a part of it. Uh, it seems like these sports are just going to try to push through it. I guess just one question on that from your perspective is golf doing everything they can do right now. Is it, is it on a good track to kind of be sustainable through the rest of the season, at least? I think so. I, I what I, what they're, I mean, everybody's an independent contractor uh, in golf, mm -hmm. but they're doing a great job of telling the players, look, these are the hotels we'll stay at. Uh, you know, we are chartering a flight. We're doing everything to create a bubble. It's your job to stay in the bubble uh, to keep yourself, your family, and every other player uh, protected. And they, a lot of precautions were put in place, uh, especially for media and other personnel around golf. So I think the PGA Tour, that was my first time experiencing out of the first three weeks, uh, did a great job. Like I didn't, I felt like I was protected uh, at the golf course. That's great. Yeah. And it seemed like a lot of the, uh, the reaction this week, maybe versus a couple of weeks ago was much better. It seems like they're starting to settle into it. That's really the hope with all these sports is that, you know, we can all understand there's going to be a learning curve and there's going to be some ups and downs with this, but 
as long as there's a preparation plan in place, it seems to be working out and hopefully that can stay for the rest of these sports as well. Uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, Dustin Johnson winning, being good for golf. We've talked about this before in this show and, and how frustrating his career can be at times because it seems like he's, he sort of comes and goes. Uh, boy, he looked dialed in the entire, really the entire weekend, maybe a little different side of him. I have not seen him that focus. Any chance this has to do with their not being fans? Uh, well, it's funny. On, on Saturday, he was asked about the fans, and he said, you know what, I miss the fans. I feed off the fans. He goes, it may, may not seem that way uh, because I, I look uh, even killed um, all, you know, all the way around. But, um, no, he said he missed the fans. As a matter of fact, on 14, he made a putt for birdie, and there were some fans up on the hill. Uh, their house was backed up uh, the property. There's some houses all the way around most of the property uh, in Hartford and these fans are cheering to make butt. And he actually fist pumped. For I saw that the little hand wave. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, usually just a little wave, but that was like, yeah, you know, I, I made that. So um, I, I think he and a lot of players miss the fans and the energy that the fans can bring as far as him being dialed in. Look, Dustin Johnson turned 36 a week ago mm-hmm. and I, I felt for the last couple of years, he'd become a, you know, just with maturity, uh, he's become wiser too as a player, and an example of it is the ninth hole at TPC River Highlands. It's a dogleg right par four. You can take off uh, the dogleg and hit it over some of these con- these condos or you know short two story condos and these houses and put it right in front of the green, uh, you know, like twenty yards away. Uh, it's a risky shot, but it doesn't seem so risky for a guy of Dustin Johnson's length. And when asked why he hadn't been doing it, he said. I hit hybrid because I want to be in the fairway here. It's a premium to be in the fairway. I think Dustin Johnson 10 years ago is banging it over that corner as much as possible, but he's worked so hard on his wedge game that he is confident in it. And he hit a wedge to four feet and made birdie. And that is the Dustin Johnson that we see now, as far as why does it come and go? Think about this. This is the 13th straight year. He's won the PGA tour. Hmm. 13 straight years. That's a, I mean, that, that streak's amazing. And when you look at active PGA tour players, he is third on the wins list of active players. One and two tiger woods, Phil Mickelson, then Dustin Johnson now with 21 victories. So he wins at least once every year. I think what everybody wants is to see more majors out of Dustin Johnson. And that might be next. And then here's a cool thing, Mike, this is where (laughs) Every amateur golfer out there listening uh, can relate to Dustin Johnson. He's played the last three weeks. Third straight week, he's had a new putter in his hand. And he won with it. I said, oh, so that one's steep. And he says, hey, you know what? doesn't bother me putting a new putter in there. I've been trying to get back to blade sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, I might change again. Who knows? I love that. Yeah, you're right about Dustin. It really, it's, it's been a slow, consistent drip, and you're right. We just crave more big spotlights, I think. But, man, when you put it that way, it's tough to argue his career. Uh, speaking of which, when are we going to see Tiger again? I'm, I'm hearing some rumors about the memorial. That would make sense. That's sort of his thing. I don't know. I mean, is, is he going to push this off to the championship, possibly? I think, well, Tiger... You know, he'll want to play at least once before the PGA Championship. And uh, Muirfield Village in Dublin, Ohio, right outside of Columbus, is an amazing golf course. Uh, in Jack Nicholas's tournament, 
Uh, I think you'll see Tiger. That's where he'll make his debut uh, on this restart. I think he'll play Memorial. Then he'll play the PGA Championship and FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, that's that's where I see Tiger playing. Um, and then in the fall, of course, U.S. Open, uh, the Masters, um, you know, maybe something in between there. Maybe, maybe. I, I think Tiger is going, you know, he's concentrating on being healthy. I think the uh, pause in play was maybe the best thing that happened to him physically. Yes. Uh, especially about being the defending Masters champion. And I think Tiger is concentrating on that. And what is all about for Tiger Woods now is getting three more major championships to tie Jack Nicholas. And I think his best opportunities are, and we just want to look at this year's best opportunities, are the PGA Championship at Harding Park and the Masters. And the Masters will be one of his best chances every year. I also think the Open Championship uh, will give him the opportunity. And going forward, really, I think it'll be the Masters and the Open Championships. Um, but, of course, we don't have an Open Championship this year. So I think Tiger's resting his body so he can go full throttle in those majors. Yeah. Can, can you blame him? I mean, <laughs> there's really nothing else we need from him other, other than, than the big spotlight uh, tournaments anyway. So uh, I'd be more than happy if he – you know, played six or seven tournaments a year just to get himself ready for those majors, and that was it, especially at this stage. But th- I don't think we talked about the match. What were your thoughts? Number one, I was impressed that they played through that weather. I thought that was great. Um, I-, I thought that had even a little more intrigue. Um, if you people who didn't realize that Peyton Manning is the media star now <laughs> realize it, uh, before realize it now, Peyton Manning's awesome. Uh, on mic and on camera. Um, Tom Brady was embarrassed. I was hitting the golf ball until he holed out, and then he finally uh, loosened up there. And uh, But overall, I thought they did a, a fantastic job uh, all the way around with that match. I mean, it was you had the one the week, uh, the week prior at Seminole where I thought Seminole Golf Club was the star um, with Roy McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, and Matt Wolf. Um, but the golf course was the star of that match at least for me anyways, because I'm wanting to see Seminole Golf Club. And Meadows is another great golf club, but uh, really the players, uh, the stars were the stars uh, of that match. Yeah, so yeah. I hope we see more of this stuff going forward. All right, I was going to ask that, but but from your perspective, because you, you follow this stuff and you analyze this stuff literally for the PGA, was there anything you would have changed or done different? Or is it, could we make this even better, that sort of you know personality side of it? Uh, on, on which on the Tiger one or on the uh, well, I, McElroy the McElroy one was really more golf. It was really less about making it a show for the fans and more about let's just get some golf, some real golf, and a really great course out there so people can watch golf on TV. That was not the match. I mean, the match was really more about let's see some gigantic athletes hit some golf balls and also have a lot of banter back and forth. But I guess I'm wondering because they are miking up these golfers now in the tournaments you're following at least a little bit. Um, you know, are we going in a direction where maybe the personalities of these players are going to start to come out more and more and it's become, it's become a thing. It's a, a part of the broadcast. Well, I, I think, um, you know, the, in Europe, they sky golf, they will talk to some players uh, walking off a tee to a hole. Now, now that was before the pandemic. Um, you know, certainly uh, there are some distancing restrictions uh, now, even when it comes to uh, interviews, um, but players being mic'd up, during the tournament, I, you know, I know Ricky Fowler did it uh, the first tournament. He missed the cut. I don't think you'll see many players uh, volunteer to do that just because of uh, having to worry about something else uh, on them while they're playing 
at golf. But the exhibitions like this, you know, like those two matches, yes. I think being mic'd up, I think having the, the POV cameras in the golf carts, I thought the golf carts were a nice awesome. touch, actually, yeah, for those players. I, I think things like that. I, I thought they could have done more. Like, I want to hear more from Tiger. Um, he was very measured. Uh, you know, the, the funniest line he had was uh, when Phil asked him to mark the golf ball, it's like, do you want me to put one of my U.S. Open medals <laughs> on there? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, that was, that was fantastic. Um, so, so what I think, think they could do is, I mean, there are some guys on tour that are just hilarious and, you know, they're funny and, um, they may not be people, players that they know, but, um, they, they may be guys you want out there. Like Justin Thomas did a great job. I yes. Commenting. Um, but Justin Thomas is someone who should be playing in one of those. Um, Jason Duffner all the players talked about him being hilarious um, with the media. He is not so much. He's pretty reserved, but uh, amongst the players, they say he is so funny. Um, Ryan armor is a funny guy. Uh, he had a nice week uh, at the travelers championship. Those are just uh, two guys that, that come to mind that are, are, are pretty funny guys yeah, I... that uh, you know, had some jabs that you could put on the broadcast and keep it going. But I think fans want more of those things. Yes. Um, and, and I, where it was a nice move putting Justin commenting is I mean, Phil and Tiger aren't going to be able to do those forever. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to have some players there that can be able to come in uh, and do that. And Justin Thomas would be one of those guys. McElroy is one of those guys. Um, Dustin Johnson, a great player, but yeah, he's reserved. But I will say this about Dustin Johnson. When you interview Dustin, he looks you in the eye. He gives you great answers really does. I mean, uh, he's more engaging of an interview. I find than many players to be frank. I think he's great. Uh, you know, people, Bryson DeChambeau would be good on these things now, especially with uh, him. It's transformed himself into uh, the incredible bull there and hitting, you know, tee shots that are just going to the moon. It's incredible to watch it in person. Uh, what he's doing off the tee when, other players when he's out driving Rory McIlroy at 40 yards. That's so something. I'm really glad you're kind of going down the list here because the, my point of asking the question was, I really do think there's maybe a crop of 10 to 12 golfers right now who are all sort of in this, this market. They can really hit the heck out of the ball. They can go low and they're actually, they have a nice personality. I mean, when you get interviews with these guys, when you see them, uh, you know, post, post round, post match, you kind of want more. They're engaging if you could put those players with a couple of other athletes that we know, you know, your Tony Romo's, your Steph Curry's, there's a, there's a list. We could put together a list of non-golfer athletes to put with these guys and make sort of a series out of this. Not only is it good for TV ratings and for us as fans, but these, these 10 to 12 golfers who, you know, it's just impossible to get to the level of a filler, a tiger from a marketing standpoint. It's just impossible right now. Everything's so diluted, but you're, if you're doing those, those little ancillary things, it's gotta be good for them. Right. Yes, uh, you're you're exactly right. Um, and there are players worldwide that have tremendous popularity. Like John Rahm is a star, right? Uh, you know, around the world, and he's a, a great player, and he also has a great personality. I I think he's a, a fine young man. Uh, Sergio Garcia. Yes, uh, I was thinking that too. Right? <laughs> but Sergio, Sergio would be great, great in these things. Um, you know, they, we see it most often in the Ryder Cup, but to see 
you know, to see it, um, you know, in a relaxed atmosphere where they're playing for charity and they can take shots at each other. You know, it, it's it, the, the idea of the original match was to hey, bring us to what happens on a Tuesday practice round. You know, when these guys play together, are they out there betting? Are they doing this or that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think some things like that certainly could happen. Or uh, hybrid a golf course. I, I in Hawaii a couple of years ago, the uh, videographer for uh, PJTour.com, they took Dustin Johnson. And they had him. They, they created a hole for him to see what uh, see what he could do it in. And they had him play 18 tee to one green. And they measured out it was like 1,100 yards. And he, <laughs> he went driver. They figured out he eagled the hole. He, he, they thought it was a par eight, and he made it six. And I think he went driver, three wood, three wood, uh, then a five iron. And two putted. My God! And they figured out that was an eagle. That'd be and great. That was pretty cool. I think people, I think people, people want to see that stuff. That yeah, that's perfect. I mean, it's a little dog and pony show, but I think we would we would totally buy into it, especially if there's a TV show wrapped around it. You know what I mean? It's all about the production, as you know. All right, yeah. go and, ahead. And getting and getting the stars you said involved. Yeah. Um. Yes, is great. And uh, the gambling uh, companies. <laughs> Yeah, well, sure, right? I mean, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could just be, uh, you know, fun stuff. I mean, um, it, it could be a friend of mine that does a show uh, called Off the Hazel, and he and his other guy, a comedian, they, they'll have a, a bet on the match. They play him, like, for example, <laughs> they were in Tampa, and they had to walk St. Pete Beach uh, in a Speedo, whoever lost, you know? <laughs> just funny stuff like that so now you and i have uh, talked a lot you and i have talked a lot about having you know the live betting numbers right there on your sporting event on tv it happened for the match and i loved it i loved every second of it you didn't even notice it was there until you were looking for it and then when it was there and you, you were guessing you know is he going to miss the fairway you know who's going to win this hole just the live odds right there i'm here for it i, I don't know how it's going to work with other sports but specifically with golf in that match i thought it was brilliant so i, I do think there's a real future in this thing yeah, I, I think so too. I think the more it's accepted, even with fantasy golf, whether you're on FanDuel, DraftKings, mm-hmm. uh, what have you, uh, you know, somebody, you know, if you had Brendan Todd uh, in your lineup oh, right. on Sunday, the guy makes 11 straight pars, and all of a sudden he makes a disaster without losing a golf ball. You're like, oh, what just happened? You see yourself going from the green area to out of it and done, you know, so. Um, and I'm I'm not laughing at Brendan Todd. He's a nice guy. It was just a terrible lie, and uh, you know a bad result happened. But fans are talking about those things, and anything that brings in those fans or keeps them engaged, uh, especially as you know, Tiger and Phil. I don't know. I don't say age out, but listen, you know, Phil's fifty, and he played great Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, you know. Uh, he, he couldn't keep up or couldn't sustain it. Right. Um, it happens in golf and especially happens, you know, to older golfers. Um, Tiger, he's not, we just talked about his schedule a few moments ago. I mean, how much is he going to play down the stretch there? So um, I, I think the more things to do to expose fans, sports fans to these golfers or personalities to keep them as the greats and the two of the greatest of all time, uh, you know, start to move on and out of the sport in a few years. Um, 
I think that's a great thing. Two more questions, and I'll get you out of here. You were on the course, I, I imagine, right? Not in the studio? Yes. Yes, that was. Okay, that was no fans, no riffraff, no, you know, not, not much flying over your head. You know, Brendan Todd does that. Can you hear everything he's saying? <laughs> really didn't. Uh, you know what? Uh, no, because I, to announce, I had to actually be further away than normal yeah. uh, because there was no buffer, if you will. There was no ambient noise. So I didn't want to um, be part of it, but I'm sure he heard me talking about it. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> for sure. I, I know players heard me announcing things because when I'd start, sometimes caddies would look around. Uh, you're on hills, and sometimes they hear more when they're down in the valley. And when I when he tried, when I say he sculled it, I'm sure he heard it. And then when he failed to get on the surface with a lot shot on the uh, the third, four, his fourth shot of, of the hole, and I, I could tell he was feeling it. And, you know, to hear enough to say it right there, uh, that had to be tough. That's got to be in your head, but, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, the, and the guy knows he's throwing, you know, the term is gone. He knows, like, gosh, if I don't get this close and just make a bogey, that term is gone, it comes back, and you just grab Potter, which is not the play, but you just grab Potter because you need to get the ball in the green, you barely do it. Um, man, I felt for the guy because he played – he didn't play. He didn't play great, but he played solid. He was still in the golf tournament with the scoring holes to come, right ahead of him. And to get a seven on that hole just seems unfathomable. Are, I mean, just are you saying less out there, Kevin, because of this? Because you know they can hear you. Is that affecting you at all? Am I doing what less? I'm are, sorry. Are you saying less? Are you, are you trying to be more succinct because you know they can hear everything you're saying and you don't want to be essentially narrating their golf match? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not saying less, but I am, I am lowering my amplitude Sure. and I'm also cognizant of if something really exciting happens. Um, I, there's a few times where I'm like, geez, how, how hard do I go on this? Right. You know, <laughs> like, do I want to sound like the, the, the lone guy out there yelling something like, Oh yeah, oh my God. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> and, uh, but well, for example, on whole time when Dustin Johnson, Made the made the putt, you know, he put it as a chip in, is what it's counted as. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he used putter from off the green, and I'm like, man, I it, he was in danger of not getting it up on the putting surface. The way there was a, uh, a depression in the green that he's putting up through a little valley, and he puts it with pace. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that is my head. I'm thinking that's going to go right by, and then all of a sudden it disappears. And I almost said, holy, something else uh, with it, but I, like, holy smokes, you know, and. There were a couple of marshals who, they still had volunteers in the golf course, who looked over at me and, and they see the microphone and stuff like, who, who's out here yelling, holy smokes? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's weird. other than that, I mean, yeah, other than that, you could hear, you know, a squirrel break wind out in the golf course. That's how quiet it was. Ugh, that's the official stuff you want to hear right there. All right, last thing, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question to, to leave you with. Cam Newton going to the Patriots means... Boy, that's a Cam Newton going to the Patriot means he'll be the starting quarterback for New England, but he won't finish the season as a starting quarterback. How's that? Okay. Any any reason why you want to you want to guess injury? I, I well, 
yeah, I think injury. Okay. I, I don't think Cam Newton is the player he, he once was, and I think that's where he had a success. Um, but I think he, he's, a, he's a pocket passer. And, you know, I was listening to – on my drive back from Hartford, I was listening to uh, a sports talk show, and they were talking about, well, you know, they gave up the least amount of pressures or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but that's because they had Tom Brady getting rid of the football. Right. I mean, how many times did Brady just dump the football off, right? And, it, and his quick release. I mean, uh, you count Tom Brady in the pocket. Uh, he's not sitting back there uh, like a statue. And since Newton – isn't able to, hasn't been able to run. Who knows? Maybe he is able to. Uh, the injury's healed, but I just um, I, I don't see it. I see him getting hit more, and um, we know when quarterbacks get hit, that's when injuries occur. It's a fair answer, but I, I think we both agree for a million dollars. It's certainly uh, not the dumbest decision anybody's made, right? Oh, they had they had to do it. Yeah. I mean, you've got Stidham, who is uh, a question mark, and you know, frankly, who knows with this season. You know, it, it, who knows what's going to happen with what's going on in the world? What you know, perhaps the shortened season. And in that case, that you know might be brilliant. Yes. Uh, on a shortened season, right? And Cam Newton. Here's the other thing: this guy's got something to prove now, and never question a champion's heart. And uh, you know, I, he's motivated for sure, and he's going with a great, great coaching staff. And I guess we'll see: was it Brady or was it the coaching staff? Good stuff, Kevin. Thanks so much. Tell the listeners where they can find you. Well, at Kev Sylvester on Twitter. Uh, you can follow along there. And, of course, Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio. The next one I'll be working will be well, actually about a month from now, uh, 3M. And occasionally you'll find me, for those listeners in Buffalo, New York, occasionally on the NBC affiliate Anchoring Sports now. So Very nice. Congrats. Uh, check it out, Channel 2. Kev, thanks for doing this. Be safe, man. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, my thanks to John Grimaldi, Cousin Dan, Kevin Sylvester, The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your annual subscription. Of course, visit dacardworld.com. Check out the Hit Parade, Mystery Memorabilia Box, and plenty of more, a resurgence of trading cards, and they're all there. My name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the SpotTrack Podcast. 